It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by... Hey, everybody. Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives this week. I'm with my brother Mike in the UK. What's up, dude? Yeah, how's it going? I'm Justin. I'm in LA. And uh, this week, we have a long in the works guest. Long, long, long in the works. My dear friend who lives here in LA, but hails from, you know, the great town of Bayonne, New Jersey. Dylan Finnerty, what is up, my brother? Ooh, the baby. <laughs> there he is. Oh, Guys, oh, wow. thank you for finally having me. My God, I've been I've been trying to get on this thing. It's it's packed. It's hard to get in. It's long as line. <laughs> but I'm here. I got the guest pass. Oh, he's in. He's got the he's you're backstage right now, baby. You're backstage. Yeah, long overdue. Uh, Let's go. It really is. And you know, giving a little a little not so subtle shout out to our our partner in crime, Larry Sequino, with a nice oh, little Oda Bay. Shout out the roommate. I mean, listen, if there's an iconic phrase in this in this group of uh, degenerates, it's it's Oda Bay. <laughs> so had to shout it out. Oh, and we will have many reasons to shout it out very soon, hopefully, with uh, with these vaccines getting distributed more frequently and whatnot. But oh man, this week we're here. Very special topic as well. Something that I think a lot of people are going to be curious about. Something everyone can sort of get in on and rank. Top five Pixar films. I mean, one of the greatest, one of the greatest, you know, production companies ever. Timeless. Timeless. And I know we have, we have one guy here. Spoiler alert, Mike, that. Maybe he's not so hot on Pixar. Oh boy! <laughs> you know, I, I, it was it was interesting because like I just I realized that I think there's like a watching a a, a kids movie. Uh, it, it, it's something that you need to sort of practice. Like if if you haven't done it in like two decades, then it's a little bit weird to start doing it and then watch twenty three in a row. You know? Like well, it's, yeah. If you've been thirty for the last twenty years, I guess that makes <laughs> no, sense. No. No, I, I, so to be to be fair, I haven't seen one in like fifteen years, and I, and I don't watch any kids' movies ever, basically. So it's yeah. it's just, and, and and even as a kid, I kind of stopped watching them like early. So it's just, it, it was a good experience to try to sort of get back into that mindset. Well, listen, you're 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 talking to two people that refuse to to grow up. So like these are the the ideal. Uh, partners to help you uh, rediscover some of that youthful energy. Exactly. I like that. I like that. And and with that, before we jump into the topic, as as you guys know, every week we do a spotlight. Usually it's just Mike and Mike and me, but this time we had talked to to Finn beforehand. He'd watched the film we're about to we're about to highlight, and we thought let's get all three of us on it. So this week we are going to talk about the trial of the Chicago Seven which is, of course, the recent 
Netflix film direct written and directed by the one and only Aaron Sorkin. Praise be. There he is. There he is. We got a big West Wing fan over here and just big Aaron Sorkin fan in general. And it's got a it's got a stacked cast as well. We've got, of course, you know, Eddie Redmayne's in there. We've got Michael Keaton. We've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Of course, how could I even forget Sasha Baron Cohen? Um, and and Bayonne's own, I find out today, Frank Langella. Bayonne, New Jersey. Frank Langella, stand up. Same alma mater. That's my guy right there. I'm also pretty sure I dated his like second cousin for like four years. <laughs> that's a whole another story for a whole another podcast. We can, we can carry on. Oh, there. that's that's the Frank Langella deep dive. Frank Langella, not not a likable character in this film. We can just, no. we can just say not cool. No, not Schwartz. Um, but okay, so this obviously is up for quite a few Academy Awards this year, and it's up for Best Picture. What did everyone think about it? Finn, let's start with you. You're our guest. So uh, as I've explained to you multiple times, I worship at the altar of Aaron Sorkin. So I'm predisposed to like anything that he does. Um, But I think going into this one, I had higher expectations because of how like stacked the cast was. Like you just like listed out, I mean, you know, incredible actor after incredible actor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd say for the most part, it delivered. Uh, It's it's really incredible and it also is super timely and it's something that uh you know uh sorkin touched on is you know he felt that this movie had to come out before the presidential election because he felt like it really hit the nose on the head with what the culture of the world was today as compared to what it was in like you know post 1968 election Mm -hmm. um and what was going on with that trial i i mean i I loved it i thought it was a a really impressive um you know dive into like what what the culture was at, at that point and like how, how, as, as is said in the movie, you know, the, the whole world is watching and how everybody's eyes were on this trial. And, uh, you know, Sorkin loves a courtroom drama. So sign me up anytime he does. He something does like that. indeed. He does indeed. I'm like, before I give my thoughts, Mike, what, how are you feeling about it? Uh, I was definitely a little bit less high on it, but I, I thought it was solid. I mean, I, I think we all like Aaron Sorkin to some degree in town you're going through uh the west wing now right so you're i am for my first time ever Uh, but i mean there's also maybe we should talk about aaron sorgan the director who i'm I'm not totally sure would have been the best choice for this but it was you know it was okay uh the cast sasha was great uh jeremy strong was great michael keaton was great in his kind of limited Mm -hmm. role i think the the thing that sort of maybe got to me a bit was there's there's quite a bit of details that were fabricated and then also quite a bit of like the real incident that was kind of left out uh that that led to a slightly different message maybe and i and i always feel a little bit especially when you're presenting this as finn said like at a very specific time um to try to sort of get people excited to do certain things i feel a little bit uncomfortable about that but like that was that was maybe my main gripe with it I think I am. I think I felt very similar to you, Mike. I'd say somewhere right around the same, maybe in the middle, you two. I really enjoyed the film. I thought Sorkin, I mean, the guy on, in terms of writing, he's always on fire. And he did a great job. All the actors did a great job. I thought Sasha was the best. He was the standout to me. And I'd say overall, it was just especially when I look at 
the ring of best picture contenders at the Oscars. It's definitely of the ones I've seen, one that I enjoyed quite a bit. I didn't not enjoy it at all, but it also sort of lacked that little extra special something for me to be like, whoa, that was like, that was like the most special film I need to tell everyone about. It was like, I, I was like, oh, that was a good film. That was a good film. You should see it. It's on Netflix. Of course you should see it. You don't have to do, do any work really. But it didn't feel like I needed to go tell all my friends to go watch it. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear, like Finn said, that I mean, the Oscars is is a political event, and that's totally gone a long way to getting this best picture or not, which is not saying it's a bad picture, but like you said, I wasn't like blown away. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think because of what happened this year with not a lot of new movies coming out, I think this one benefited as much as any from having like less competition. And that's not to say that it wouldn't have still garnered some recognition, but I think the reason it's hyped up as like one of the best pictures of the year has a lot to do with what, what came out this year. Cool. And I think an interesting thing about being like a Sorkinite that I am, you know, I've followed his career as, as long as he's been in the business. And it, when you separate the writer from the director, you can kind of like at least appreciate the progression. I think with Molly's game, that was like his first like foray into it. And he kind of missed the mark on a bunch of, uh, um, you know, parts of like you know, shaping, shaping the picture uh, as a director. But this one I've seen, you know, you definitely saw some of the progress and he's definitely uh, kind of settling into that role. I, I definitely think he's a writer and I think he's at his best when he pairs up with really good directors, a la, you know, David Fincher. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, for what this movie was, I think he, he did a pretty damn good job. And, Sorry that I keep talking, but I found out this really cool little piece of information about this film. Tell is us. That this, this was supposed to be made like 15 years ago by Steven Spielberg. Spielberg had been wanting to make this movie for a while, and Sorkin was going to write it, which look at that duo. That, I, mean, we need that. We need I that want that. Lives. I need that. And what's funny is Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play, was trying to play Abby Hoffman even back then. And he wanted to audition for the film, and he was just coming off the first Borat movie. And uh, Spielberg was like, all right, well, like, can you do the accent? And Sasha Baron Cohen absolutely could not. So he worked with a dialect coach and for weeks and weeks and weeks recorded all of these uh, versions of a monologue that he was supposed to talk about in the movie and ultimately got these this tape of his like dialect coach progression to Spielberg. And apparently Spielberg listened to hours worth of tape of, oh of Sasha oh Baron Cohen trying to be Abby Hoffman and said, you know what, by take like 38, you got it. You figured it out. So it's like, <laughs> it's incredible that that, that would have happened. 15 know, like said, years 10, ago. 15 years ago. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, we, we missed we missed that on the Spielberg version. But. <sighs> I'm like, are we going to get, oh, I fucking love Spielberg. Are we going to get another epic Spielberg before he hangs it up? He's he's getting up there, unfortunately. Indeed. Uh, but, wow, that was an incredible fun fact. That's the way to leave us off. So, hey, bottom line, it sounds like, Check out check out the trial of the Chicago Seven. It's a worthwhile, solid movie to watch. Very timely. And without further ado, it's time to talk Pixar. Time to talk some Disney and Pixar. I mean, one of the most iconic film, you know, companies in in the world. Just all started, obviously. At this point, I mean, we're looking at twenty six years ago or so with Toy Story, and here we are. It's everyone. Everyone on planet Earth pretty much knows what Pixar is. They have, I believe, Finn. Correct me if I'm wrong. Twenty three. Yep. Uh, f- 
full-length feature films that are out currently. Obviously, a few more slated over the next couple of years, but people love to rank these films, love to rank these films, give their opinion. And as Finn mentioned earlier, you know, he and I are both guys that love love the idea of, you know, eternal youth, always, always staying young to a degree. And probably that's one of the reasons that we're each drawn. Maybe some of the reasons that we're drawn to kids films or technically kids films. And the thing with Pixar that's interesting and why everyone I think gets so invested in them is that a lot of Pixar's films are truly for like truly for all ages. Not and by that we don't mean they're for kids and adults in terms of anyone can see it. We mean it is literally made for both kids and adults, both separately and together. There's themes in a lot of these films that resonate only with adults and while still being a kid's film. So it's just it's pretty incredible what they're able to do. But yeah. And then Mike, on the other hand, I know hadn't seen Mike, you hadn't seen a lot of these films, right? Like you had seen some, but like yeah. more so not. I think the last one I really remember seeing was Finding Nemo. And then I wow. definitely had seen like at least parts of a few over the years, but but truly it's been almost 20 years since I had actually seen one. That is crazy. And so I guess on your end, dude, like, and we'll jump into it in a minute, but when you're watching these films, so you still see them. See, to me, I don't even fully see them as kids' films. Do you see them as kid film, kids' films still when you're watching them? I think, I mean, there's definitely like an all-ages component to it, but I think it's, at least for me, I think it's more of a, you know, I have to take my kid to see this because it's Cars 18 and they're going to want to see it. And like, <laughs> I, I, sh- I should have some sort of enjoyment out of it too, right? I think it's, right. to me, I think, more of it but also there is i think you have to admit that there's some level of like you can't look at it like you can't necessarily grade trial of the chicago seven and brave in the exact same way like there's there's certain there's certain leeway that you have to understand is for kids okay okay i can i can understand that i might disagree a little bit but i definitely can understand what you're saying and I think because I, I think this is going to be a, I'm so interested on everyone's choices, but let's just jump in. Um, top five Pixar films. I think today for order, we're going to go. We're going to go me. Then we're going to go you, Finn. Then we're going to go Mike. OK, that works for me. So I'll kick us off and. I'm going to come right out of the gate. With. One that I think to most people will be a surprise and was a big surprise to me. But my number five is 2013's Monsters University. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm so glad you went first because that's a what? I mean, dude, you're aware that we only have five choices, right? Like that's holy moly. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you have to defend yourself. So, 100%. Like, so, all right. I'm going to go and first off say, while Monsters, Inc. is undeniably one of the most famous Pixar films, I think when people think of Pixar, there's a handful of films you think most people think of. Monsters, Inc. is one of them. I've never been a fan of Monsters, Inc. Never. I've watched it, like, four or five times. 
I watched it this past week. I think it's solid. I think the concept is really very interesting. And I do like the characters, but I just think overall the story of Monsters, Inc. doesn't quite do it for me. And I don't feel like there's necessarily the development on some of the characters for me to totally invest in that story. Monsters University, I'd never seen until this week. I watched it and I was blown the fuck away. I I think for me, wow. it's that I absolutely love. OK, I love coming of age films that are set in like high school, college. And this one is set in college. Um, I felt like this one gave me such an insight to to who Sully and Mike are and into obviously how they became friends. Friendship so important to me in life. It's like witnessing this this legendary friendship form over the course of this film and how each of these guys got to the place where they are when Monsters, Inc. starts. It was it just had it all for me. It had, you know, it was it was heartwarming. It was funny. I felt like I got to know these characters. And I really think the world that these characters inhabit is really interesting. And so I was just all in on this. I I this is one I didn't even think had a chance. I was like, I don't even love Monsters, Inc. The, the sequels are never better. And I know most people like the first one more still. But this one really did it for me and was I had to include it. I ha- I was like, I this one needs to be in my top five. But that's so interesting to me. And, and like, you know, having John Goodman and Billy Crystal as like your, you know, your your voice actors. I mean, you really can't go wrong there. Jeff's kiss. But I just I just I can't help but think that the original like is so much better than University. And like, I see what you're saying about having a little bit more depth on going into character development and how Mike and, and Sully became who they are. But I just think that, you know, what I take into consideration, at least when making this list is like the, how much of a step forward did Pixar take from the previous film? Mm-hmm. I just think that coming up with a concept of like monsters needing to feed off of screams and going through these doors. And like, it's just something that is so ingrained in your head as a child, like being on, you know, in the closet or under the bed, like things like that. Um, I thought it was so, you know, revolutionary and groundbreaking. And I, I mean, it definitely allowed some more room for exploration, but I don't know. I, I was just, I was more impressed with the original, but that's, that's yeah. just me. And, and Finn, you, I think you hit it for me is that, that the first one is sort of revolutionary and this one is, is really derivative of a lot of other sort of college films, you know, or high school films. Like it's, it's not bad. It has a good number of laughs, but does it really add that much, much to it? I'm, I'm not sure. So totally fair critiques. And I think for me at the end of the day, taking what you guys just said, it's that I did think the original was so revolutionary in that sense, but I thought they didn't do a lot with the concept where I thought this is the movie I wanted when I saw the original. And yeah, it's the college part of it. Stories like that have totally been done before, but I'd say of all the movies I watched this week, 
it might have been the one I had the most fun watching of all of the Pixar films. And so it felt like it deserved to sneak onto my list for that reason. I think it's one of the best sequels, if not the best sequel. Um, it, it, they, they were able to like recreate a lot of that excitement that you got from the first one, which is not easy to do. Mm -hmm. um, it's true. Especially with characters that kind of take on a life of their own, which is what a lot of Pixar characters do, especially with, with merchandising. You see them everywhere and like it almost becomes larger than life in, in, you know, as a figment of your imagination. But uh, I agree. It delivers. Uh, I just don't know it would be anywhere near my top five. Amazing. Well, without any further ado, the one, the only Dylan Finnerty, give us hit us with your number five. All right. Um, so for my uh, number five, this was tough. Um, and I think Mike's going to lose his, lose his shit at this. Uh, but my number five is Soul. Soul I, cracked my top five. I have it higher. Oh, wow. There we go. So, so Soul, um, to me, and it's something that I was just touching on before, which is like I try to judge a lot of the Pixar movies by how much of a step forward they took. And Soul's visual stylization like the the world that they created and just like the animation skill is unbelievable it is on another level they like transcended anything that they've done previously and it was so creative because when you're in the world of earth you know you've got these just hyper realistic humans like down to like incredible detailed features but then you go into like the you know um where all the all the souls are and it's just like this you know weird like line drawn animations and uh you know weird colors and it, it's just it's pixar really flexing their muscles which is so exciting and uh also that's just the, the technical skill of it i also think the music side with you know trent reznor and uh, john batiste doing this doing the music mm -hmm. oh my god i was jamming the whole time that i watched it and and then the heart of it all you know the idea that you know you need to live life to the fullest and make sure that you're not wasting your time and, and find, you know, going after your passion. Like it's just something that is so poignant and, uh, and heart wrenching. And I, and to, to that point, Mike, you know, when you're thinking of movies that aren't just for kids, like this is the prime example of a movie that was absolutely made with adults in mind because it, it opens up a conversation for adults to talk to kids about like these really complex things about death and destiny and going after things and, I freaking loved Soul. It was so good. Finn, I'm, and you know what? We'll just, yeah, I'll just talk about it now too because it's my number four. So it honestly, I loved it so much. It could even be higher on my list, but I feel like I have to give other ones the benefit of time. But I, sure. I agree with everything you said. I feel like one of the things that most people love about Pixar is, of course, how much they push the boundaries and, and they make ambitious films, talk about certain themes, go for it. And this film to me goes for it more than any Pixar film has ever gone for it. I know a lot of people would say Wally goes for it the most. I think Soul goes even more for it than that one. And like what you said, the way that they capture the, the great beyond, like the themes they touch on, which are incredibly poignant, especially with the past year that everyone's had. And obviously where we all are in our lives, it, it tends to be a big theme anyway. But like it just it hit it hits me on all the levels. I I had watched it when it came out a few months ago and then I rewatched most of it this week. And man, that uh, 
the whole thing, the ending, it's just the, the whole message of the film is just beautiful. And mm. they really fucking went for it in how they portrayed the afterlife and certain things. And I just, I was so fucking impressed, man. Yeah. That, that one, everyone kills it. Everyone and kills it. Jamie Foxx. So good. Tina Fey. So good. And I think, you know, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on the fact that it's like, it's important for Pixar to start stretch, stretching its legs with representation and, you know, having like the first black protagonist uh, for, for a Pixar film was huge for them. Mm-hmm. And like, I know it got a little bit of a, blowback because you know a lot of the film is spent with tina fey voicing uh joe's character but uh still it was just you know to tell that kind of story and be authentic felt like you were really in new york like the barbershop with like the nick stuff oh. on the wall so cool uh anyway I, I i i can't say enough good things about soul so i thought soul was, was pretty good actually uh and i you know what's what's interesting about these like all these Pixar movies, which you know, Town will tell you, and, and listeners already know. I love like, I love when movies do crazy shit, but I actually found with Pixar, I kind of preferred when they dialed it back a little bit. So with Soul, I, I really enjoyed the stuff that was on Earth, and then like all the stuff in the Soul world, while kind of visually interesting, I was just sort of like, it just it it just doesn't work for me. Like I'm not saying it was a bad choice for the film. But I think that with a lot of these films, that's where I tend to lose it, where they go like off into some sort of uh, wild place. And and you notoriously, for better or worse, you're not a sci-fi guy and you don't like sort of ma- magical things. Yeah, facts. Yeah. So these these this all makes sense. This all is right on right on form. I'm like, and and is totally understandable. Like, I respect that. And. And just before we close this out, I think Finn, so obviously what you said is important about the representation and and I'll admit that I kind of thought like this was going to be, you know, Pixar going to sort of exploit like the Black Lives Matter audience. That's kind of what my initial reaction was going to be. And then the film didn't feel like that at all. So it it was, they deserve credit for that. Totally. For sure. They're really good at um, also playing off their titles. So I think the idea that like when I saw trailers for this, I'm like, ooh, soul, like it's gonna be heavily based in music. And don't get me wrong, it was, but like yeah. to have that double meaning is just like it's so smart. If if anyone it's probably the movie that maybe anyone listening to this perhaps hasn't seen yet, because it just came out a few months ago. If you want like a heartwarming yet also existential journey, go go watch Soul. It's it does not disappoint. Um and with that said, so that's Finn's number five, my number four. We got to get over to Mike's number five. Okay, my number five. I'm going to start, well, really at the at the beginning. Toy Story. There the is. OG. That's number five. That's my number four. So happy to talk about that. Okay, cool. Well, so then I'm going to get two picks in a row. Uh, very yeah, short. Yeah, you are. Um, you are. Okay, so yeah, Toy Story, 1995. It's the first, the first Pixar film, yeah. Where where it all began. Um, this is definitely one that's that's a little bit sentimental because obviously we were quite young when this uh, came out, and I had like a, a Buzz Lightyear toy like for for probably way too long, honestly. But there, there's just from the very beginning of this movie, you know, obviously there's big roles by Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, and they're the mains, but. What's great about this one is they set up so many cool little side characters 
just early on and it's like a whole gang of characters you you love um and then they you know they go on this big adventure and it's it's just uh it's totally fascinating for me at least especially when you were a kid i, I obviously i mean i'll admit that there was something lost seeing it now at 32 years old but not that not that it's a bad film but there's there was a certain sense of wonder obviously that you felt as a kid that's hard to recreate um but it's yeah it's just it's totally engrossing a great movie short movie which i think is something that i would kind of prefer if pixar brought back there's a lot of these movies that are stretching towards two hours and i kind of appreciated some of the shorter ones um but but yeah it's i mean it's what can we say it's it's the original it started at all it's obviously great Absolutely. I mean, it's, it had to be in my top five. Um, you know, as a kid, who didn't want to see toys come to life? Like, it's what we all imagined when we played with action figures. Uh, and like, you know, the, the Woody and Buzz were just iconic, you know, to, when it comes to, you know, who we think about when, we're, when we were kids. Like these characters voiced by, uh, you know, Tom Hanks, who's one of the greatest, if not the greatest actor of our generation. And Tim Allen, who, you know, for all his flaws, uh, delivers a hell of a performance two two of the most iconic uh voice performances of all time let's be real absolutely and and what's really special about this movie to me is just uh you know one of my best buds growing up thought for sure my name was dill infinity because of buzz lightyear and he's like that he was like that's the coolest name of all time and of course it's not it's dill infinity but (laughs) Now, you know, it was, it was a pretty, pretty cool nickname uh, for sure. That is fucking um, epic. Uh, the, you know, You've Got a Friend in Me is probably the best song in the history of Pixar. No question. Uh, it just, it's timeless. It, when you hear it, when you hear the opening chords, you're just like, it warms your heart. You, you get all fuzzy feeling because you know how much these characters in that song, you know, meant to you. Um, even, even at age 31, 32, <sighs> whatever. Oh my lord! Just everyone. I mean, Rex. Come on, Rex is incredible. Mr. Potato, Mr. Potato Head, Head. Oh. King. Oh my god! Um, also, Sid. Sid as a villain, like maybe the best villain we've had in so the Pixar. Good. Wait, can we, can so we talk good. about Sid a little bit? Did you guys like? I, I, I mean, I hadn't seen it forever, but it just Sid is. I mean, that's dark. This movie is fucking dark. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That kid is fucked He's up in the head. Fuck. And, and even like, like Woody basically tries to kill Buzz like twenty minutes into the movie. And then <laughs> yes, really. And, yes, and Sid definitely exhibits behavior that like that he definitely turns into a serial killer. Like we're all in agreement there, right? One hundred percent, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Also, just shout out Pizza Planet, but uh, oh, I know, claw, uh, so fucking good, um. Okay, so that wow, we have had some hilarious like five four. So that was Mike's number five, Finn's number four, which means so it's me. We're at Mike's number four. Yes. Okay, so I have a little bit of a surprise pick as well, uh, and that is two thousand twenties onward. Ooh, <laughs> which I. Is a movie I didn't quite realize how much I was enjoying until I, I like just looked up and saw like how invested I was, because it it, it does follow a pretty you know it's a, it's a pretty kind of obvious narrative in a sense, mm-hmm. um, but 
I found that I was really into sort of the four main characters, Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Octavia Spencer. I thought they were all great. And, and I got I got really invested in the adventure um, of kind of, yeah, the whole thing of what they're trying to do. I will say that I was, as I previously noted, I was like, I'm not sure why they have this disembodied pair of legs that's following them around. Like that felt like a step too much. But then even at the end, I was like, no, fuck it. I'm totally involved. <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, there's just some great, um, you know, there's pretty, what's become pretty typical, I would say, like sort of parent uh, drama or loss that, that Pixar tackles in a lot of movies. But this one obviously has a, a brother connection that uh, we don't see too much. And I thought was was pretty fucking great. I got to be honest. I, uh, I actually have to agree with you that I came, I had seen it already, but I watched it again uh, this week. And let's put it this way before watching it again, I was like, it's not going to be on my list, but I did enjoy it. But rewatching it, I was like, it, it's one of a f- only a few honorable, honorable mentions that I have that I really wanted to make sure got sh- a shout out because I'm with you, Mike. I thought it actually is for being a pretty simple plot line on the one hand it actually gets pretty deep and the brother the brotherly uh connection and sort of the the message that they send out is really good and and the ending totally made me tear up and uh i thought for clearly being the film that came out in 2020 out of that and soul that was supposed to sort of be the more basic one that clearly wasn't going to get as critically acclaimed. I think it was a really solid addition to the Pixar filmography. And I, and I think 2020 was a great year for Pixar between that and soul. Yeah. I, I, this one just didn't hit for me. Uh, I think when I saw the trailer for it for the first time, I was like, Oh, I cannot wait for this movie. Uh, just because of who they had doing the voice characters and like it was just a kick-ass trailer with good music mm-hmm. and like the concept scene it's just like oh and it's just like a true adventure especially you might like hearing that you liked it is kind of was kind of surprising for me because it feels like that's the type of film that maybe you seem to not like right like which, magic yeah magic and like totally. fantasy and adventure and like that that's that's awesome that it hit i just um you know the voice performances were really good it just didn't stick the landing for me. In fact, it didn't stick so much that I actually have it down here on my irrelevant category. Oh my so God. I, I just really did not dig it. I, it didn't hook me. Um, I just, yeah, it did not resonate with me. And I, and you know, you figured it would, cause I have a, I have a little brother myself and like, we are not, um, you know, we were pretty similar, but we have like some pretty, you know, sizable differences between the two of us. And, and I figured having that, like, you know, all the brother that the little brother is, is maybe not as uh, keen to be around. Um, I feel like that was a, you know, it was nice to show that and see how they, you know, how they can come together and, and conquer, you know, the loss of, uh, of, a, of a parent. And anyway, uh, not, not my favorite. And, and I think the last thing I'll say is that, you know, I thought the writing was, was particularly tight, especially for Pixar, which, as I said, I feel like kind of goes off on some crazy, adventures that i don't normally gravitate to so i was looking into it and you know the three writing credits are the director dan scanlon who did monsters university so big shout out to dan uh and then two other writers basically that this was their first pixar pixar film ever so i thought that was interesting hey 
I've got massive loads of respect for it. And I love when there's some arguments. I love when we disagree on things. So are we at number three now? We're at you for number three. We're at me for number three. Okay, so my number three. Have to admit, I think to a lot of people, this will come as no surprise. But to me, it came as a massive surprise. And I will explain why. My number three is 2003's Finding Nemo. Oh, st- I'm stealing. I've got a higher. Okay. Okay. Oh, we'll talk about it later. Um, Finn, was that an exasperated groan from Wow. Finn? Yeah, it was. Wow. <laughs> so we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Until we do. Finn, what's your number three? Uh, so uh, number three for me is uh, Coco. Ooh, great Coco, film. Coco went into my number three for a variety of reasons. Um, one was the, again, the visual stylization was so incredible, uh, taking in that authentic Mexican culture of like Dia de los Muertos uh, and and really diving in there. And then, you know, the sugar skulls and all things like that. Like It was just so cool to look at, so beautiful, so many colors. And the music is freaking awesome. It's so good. I, st- I still sing those songs to this day in the car. Um, and yeah, it's just got a ton of heart. And it's just a- another one where you like these movies that tackle grief and, and death. And like it's, it, that's why it's really hard to think that they're just kids films because mm-hmm. there's some pretty grown up topics. And, and, and it's just such, such a beautiful thing to have, uh, you know, this idea that your, your loved ones can come back to you and, and be with you, you know, once a year. And, and as long as they're, you know, haven't done anything wrong it, it's just and, and crossing back over it's just it's such a beautiful story and um i don't know this i feel like i'm gonna be thinking about coco years and years from now whereas some other films which we're gonna dive into with you guys <laughs> probably just won't stick with me as long so yeah coco number three coco i love coco uh again i have uh like four honorable mentions and coco's one of them uh Everything you said again, I agree with the vi- the visual, the visuals on this one are just absolutely insane. Um, the music is incredible. I mean, I what is it? Remember, I remember, remember me, Re- remember, me. remember me. Such a great song, and all the all the music in the film, and just the journey. It it is a journey. It is a great, great, great film. Definitely one I considered for my list, and again, I think it shows that. While I know some people thought Pixar has had some misses over the past decade, the last few years, I think they've really been uh, strengthening up again between this and the two that just came out. So good, sure. good and, pick. And then just one last thing for, for Coco is it's another one of Michael Giacchino's scores, which, you know, the master, Lost. the absolute goat. Lost. He is the, he is the king. I mean, um, so. I bow down all, to all, all of, Michael all of, Giacchino. Yeah, he's 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 the greatest. So had to shout him out. I'm so you happy know, you did. I feel like we're not getting that much disagreement because the, your guys' choices are still sort of like the top half of Pixar films for me. Uh, even if I rate them slightly less than I'm sure both of you do, mm-hmm. they're still some of my sort of more favorites, let's say. And Coco is another one where I, I, I should also say that like, it was. I like the idea that they didn't just sort of say, "Okay, well, 
you know, we want to get more cultural representation. Let's just set a movie in Mexico. They, they took, you know, an idea that, that they have in their culture um, and presented, you know, a unique perspective to people here uh, and used it to, to teach people something. So I thought that was a really good um, inclusion. And it's, yeah, it's pretty solid. That's such a good point. I feel like coming out of these movies and like feeling like you learned something is also really uh, like a hallmark of, of Pixar. And, this, and that's definitely one where I walked out of it going, oh, wow, I, I totally just spent, you know, an hour and a half or however long the movie is being educated. So that was cool. Totally. And to- inserting yourself into another culture entirely. Very, very cool. Um, Mike, hit us with it, baby. All right. So my number three is 2001's Monsters, Inc. Okay. Okay. Good one. It's a good one. Uh, yeah. So we, we talked about it a little bit. Um, certainly better than Monsters University. No offense. <laughs> <to> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. Uh, but but no, I mean it's yeah it's it's Billy Crystal and John Goodman. They have incredible chemistry. Steve Buscemi as as if Sid is up there, Steve Buscemi is a pretty great villain. Uh, True. In my opinion, he's good. He's good. Um, what is but, Randall? But yeah. Right. Randall. Yeah. And uh, you know the the world building here deserves so much credit. Um, it just feels like such a lived in place that, that you totally understand from really from the get go. Um, the concept of, you know, sort of harbor, taking the screams and turning them into energy and kind of where that goes at the end feels like a, I don't want to say realistic, but it doesn't feel like totally contrived at the end either. So it's, it's heartwarming um, and, and not really trite in that way. And it's, um, you know, for me, this is, this is a very adult movie. Um, you know, there's an adult friendship, you know, obviously, uh, Billy Crystal has a romantic relationship, and then, uh, you know, Jod Goodman almost becomes like a sort of a surrogate father to uh, Boo, the child. So it's it's more of an adult movie, and and it's it's really fun, but it's also uh, it delivers on a lot of themes. Uh, great creativity uh, for me, always one of the classics. Agreed. I mean, I, I really think it captured the whole like blue collar, you know, factory worker vibe and like the you know lunch pale hard hat guys and like just going and 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 getting the job done clocking in and clocking out and you just really felt like these guys were admirable um and it also was just hysterical like some of some of the concepts where like they take like you know real world situations and and put it into the movie like i love the idea of like the 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 original like the cdc like doing the scrub down and like shaving everything and like i thought anytime that that happened to somebody i was bawling laughing it was so so funny hey it's it's great great concept i like university more i'm in the minority what can i say it's all good that's why we do this okay well i'm ready you boys ready for a hot take get ready i know mike already knows what's coming my number two and i have no qualms about this i this this pixar film is probably one of the ones that gets the most flack and i personally have not watched any pixar film even close to as many times as i've watched this one it's so goddamn enjoyable may not be as deep as the rest my number two is 2006's cars (laughs) You know what? Let me just say real quick. 
That's not that hot of a take. I think that that movie is vastly underrated. Thank you. Okay. I love that. I'm like, thank you very much. I think that while on the contrary, Cars 2 is probably their worst film, which again, worst film to me at least is still a decent movie, but Cars 1, and if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I've talked about it on a couple other episodes. You know I like this film. I'm a staunch defender. It's ve- And Finn, I'm very happy to hear that you think it's very underrated because I agree, obviously. And it's just so good. The world itself is beautiful. It's such an interesting world to inhabit. I mean, yes, it's just our world, but with cars. But the, the town of Radiator Springs, gorgeous. gorgeous, the sort of the road trip mentality of the film, the adventure of it all. It's like I'm someone who loves to travel. I like to get out onto the open road. It sort of gives me all those feels when I watch this movie. And just the voice cast is fantastic. I mean, Owen Wilson is amazing as Lightning McQueen. I mean... Mater, come on. I mean, Larry. One of the funniest characters in Pixar. Agreed. And Larry the Cable Guy, you know, I have to bow down to you for doing such a such a great job at, at that character. That character could have easily been, like, he could have taken that too far where it would have been, one, offensive, and two, just, like, annoying. And he, like, towed the line beautifully. Perfectly. Oh, so there you go. Pun intended. Uh, hey. oh, wow. it, it, it's wow. just, like, it's so, so good and so funny. And he's so lovable. <sighs> I agree. And of course, Paul Newman, how can we not shout out the legend himself? And he is just so fucking good as well in this. It's just, again, no, it doesn't go nearly as deep as 70, 80% of Pixar films with certain themes, but it is just a well-rounded, well-developed, feel-good movie. And... I mean, every time I hear "Life is a Highway," I just, oh, I just, come on. The 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 Americana like <sighs> Highway sixty six vibe in this film just it it pops off the screen, and like the details of like what it would be like if cars were the humans of the world, mm-hmm. like down to the like cow tipping when they're yes, hawking yes. horns and the tractors, like tra- that's so funny. Yes, and, oh, car, cars is really good, and just. Uh, you know, if, if anybody anybody who's ever been to like D- Disneyland, um, the Radiator Springs section of Disneyland at sunset when they, you know, the Art Deco lights start coming up and you really see like that that neon. It's, it's oh my! It's the most God. beautiful part it's of Disneyland. Beautiful, and it completely recreates the you know the feeling you get when you watch the movie. So that's a good pick, Justin. Thank I you. Like that. Thank you. Mike, Mike's not happy. <laughs> no, what? No, I. <laughs> Cars is, is cars, you know. It's, it's totally right. fine. Okay, okay, I'll take no, it. Maybe we should. No one else is going to have any more cars, right? So can we touch briefly on Cars two and three while we're sure, here? sure. If you insist. Well, I think Cars two is pretty bad, right? Do we all kind of agree with that? Yes, yes, yes. What do we think about Cars three? So I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's actually pretty good. So you know, I'll let, I'll let you guys dive into that. I personally love Cars three. Again, it wouldn't be in my top five or even my top 10, but I think it's a great sequel that really redeems the poor quality of two. And I I really like where they go with the story. It feels like always what should have been the eventual down the line sequel is the story that they 
dive into in three for me at least what do you think Mike? i definitely like the end i like where it ends up yes it ends up it in takes a really a hell nice of a long place. time to get there i could tell you that but it's it's where is it goes it, is it one of the longer pixars because what you were saying earlier actually about some of them towing two hours i actually found that almost every single one of them ended right around an hour and a half or even earlier maybe with the credits some were like 145 yeah but 90 to 100 minutes is like their sweet yeah spot. but there are a couple there's like two or three that hit i think 150 the incredibles are both like two hours you're right the those are both longer and i think there's like one other one that might be like 151 or something but but car, yeah, but Cars Three, I really like where it ends up, and I hope that's where they leave the series off. I thought it was a great place to finish it off. I mean, they've made like a trillion dollars off that franchise, so I hope they like you know move on to something I else. Know. But I mean, there's a reason why that's, of course, what they built the land of in Disneyland because it they yeah, make the the, mer- the merchandising is insane, insane. I mean, I have a Lightning McQueen at home for you know you guys, of course, know Norman, my dog. Shout out to Norman, but he's got his own Lightning McQueen. That's incredible. I love how um, pretty much I think every other kid in America at one point had a Lightning McQueen lunchbox. So shout out to them, <laughs> them for nailing that. It's insane. Anyway, if you anyway. if you somehow haven't seen Cars, go check it out. It's uh, it's it's just a quality fun time. It's a good old time, good old fashioned fun. And with See? without further ado. Mr. Dylan Finnerty, number two. Well, uh, I would like to probably just give you guys a little hint, saying this is number two. And uh, we're going to uh, also, to shout out the, the culinary arts, I'm going to give us a little Irish crickets action. Oh, oh amazing. It didn't, pop, it didn't pop the way I would have liked because it's not a can, but. Hey, it's all in the shout, spirit. Shout out to my man, Kevin Connell. Yes. Shout out to Victory the Podcast. Kevin Dillon, Victory the Podcast. Um, but my number two is Ratatouille. As is mine. And wow. there you go. Ratatouille, you know, for if you're a, like a film guy or a film girl or film person, I mean, Ratatouille is an art film. It is literally a French, like, art, just genius. It's b- directed by and written by Brad Bird, who is probably Pixar's most impressive creative mind in my opinion uh you know this movie centering around a a rat that uh you know goes against the norms of rats only eating to sustain life and decides he likes to add a you know a cook a flair to what he likes to eat he likes to cook and you know just the idea of rats in the kitchen you know are just so contradictory and you should drum up the like uh, an uneasy feeling and the way that they seamlessly integrate uh, a rat in a kitchen and makes and makes you feel excited and the food looks delicious that's just such an you know impressive feat that they did there um, and uh, it and I would be remiss if I didn't shout out Patton Oswalt Patton Oswalt's performance as Remy in this film is maybe the best voice acting job in in all of Pixar's twenty three film history Wow it's that good. Um, I adore this film. It is visually just, it's beautiful. The cinematography, when they go from like, you know, Linguini's point of view to like Remy's and like the, you know, the POV, it's just, it's so, so damn good. 
Mike, jump in here. Please t- tell them why, why you picked it for number two as well. I, th- I think what's great about Ratatouille is that in, on, on some level, it's it's one of the more straightforward films that Pixar has, like once you kind of get to the concept. But it it's a really a, a delicate balance of complex themes that, that sort of jump out to you more and more. I've seen this one a couple of times, actually. And it's, you know, it's, it's clearly not only is it sort of an art film, but it's really kind of a, a portrait of an artist. Um, but it has to do with, you know, kind of leaving home and being who you are. Then there's kind of, you know, Linguini's point of view about him sort of acting like he's a chef when he's not really and sort of where that kind of goes um, in the end. And, and then and, and then the, the very, very end of the film uh, kind of introduces a character that we've known about, but we haven't really uh, dealt much with the critic um, and kind of where his his narrative goes is it's just sort of like the, the icing on the cake of a a really subtly complex film um, that I think has just a ton to offer. Yeah. And as far as motifs go, like talking about how, you know, anyone can cook and this idea that, you know, if you, if you believe you can do something, it doesn't matter what the norms say. It doesn't matter what anybody else tells you. If you believe you can do something, you can do it. And like, it's, it's never more, you know, poignantly represented in Pixar than with, with a lot, you know, Remy entering, entering the kitchen and, and cooking up an absolute masterpiece. Um, and, and, you know, I also just appreciate like the, the subtle realism of, of these films. And like at the end, when ultimately they, you know, they impress the critic with, with the meal and it's like, Oh, you're all feeling good. And it's like, Oh, but then the, the restaurant got shut down yes. by the health department because there were rats in the kitchen. It's like, well, duh. And that's just so smart and so funny, uh, and a great cast like Janine Garofalo is Kills so good it. in this. And, uh, the legendary Peter O'Toole, Will Arnett, Brian Dennehy, like it's just ah, boys, it's so so wonderful. So, oh my god! First of all, absolutely fantastic pick by both of you. You actually both just made me so sad that I ended up not including it in my top five. It, it is truly, you can see on my notes, number six, but. Um, I, I think it may actually be the, so obviously when picking these films, I know Finn and I talked a little bit about this this week, a lot of them, I thought about how much they affected me emotionally and how much they meant to me myself and Ratatouille almost for me made it into the top five. Like I truly considered it. I ended up choosing Monsters University as number five in, in the end, just because I just, again, I did not have more fun all week, but I think Ratatouille might be the best Pixar film, if that makes sense. Like, I think as a film, it's the one that impresses me the most. And it, it really does have it all. And it's just so well done. It's, it's truly incredible, and I'm I'm so happy that it's so high on each of your lists. And it, again, it does make me jealous that I don't even have it because it's it's fucking quality as shit. It's just it's just so good, and I think uh, you know when I was doing research on these movies and trying to just like figure out you know who made them and and what the time frame you know time period was like and things like that. There was a, a few people that kind of touched on why Ratatouille is Pixar's magnum opus. And there's some really great videos and articles written about it. And it, I, I genuinely believe it might be. 
it is just it's it's everything that you know you, when you think Pixar you think revolutionary animation uh, heartfelt storylines poignant themes like and this one just just hits every mark and and it soars it's so good and it's the the location being in Paris and just you feel like you're there you truly yeah. feel transported you can you can fucking smell the food like it's just it's so good great choice i'm i'm and i think you know with mike one of his points is like i like when they kind of not dumb it down but reel it back and have like a more attainable plot line it's not something so fantastical it's kind of grounded and what's really great about this is it's such a simple idea it's like oh we just need to impress this critic and like that's you know we're just trying to cook good food and you know really simple idea and like this guy just wants to make food whereas you know some of the other ones have these really outlandish adventures and those are all well and good but something about grounding this one in a very simple idea allowed them a lot of like runway to really get creative and really just uh stretch stretch those creative muscles and uh, i don't know it's just it, it's it might be my favorite i put it at number two but it's it's damn damn good it is damn good great fucking choice boys all right number one baby number one so in a few of our episodes over over time, we've had, I think Mike's done it at one point. I think uh, our dear friend Dr. Action did it at one point. There's been a little bit of cheating occasionally for a pick. And I'm going to cheat a little bit for this number one, but I'll reel it back in. Hear me out fully. My number one is the Toy Story franchise. And I will specifically pick a Toy Story as my number one with that said. Number three, Toy Story it's 3. Mine too. That's yours That's as well? That's my number one. Oh, I yeah. mean, it, we'll, we'll go for it there. And I'll, I'll just say before we dive into Toy Story 3, there's a chance, honestly, all four Toy Story movies would be in my top five if I, if I could. I wanted to include other movies. I will tell everyone my my ranking of the Toy Stories, which is three, one, four, two. Um, Mine too. That yours as well. Okay, so we yep. see very eye to eye on the Toy Stories, but we'll dive into three because it's just fucking next level. And I'll start with I think of all to to dial it to what I just said about Ratatouille and about when I made my picks for this list i had to think about which ones emotionally resonated with me the most there's no question that toy story 3 emotionally is the most resonant with me it came out in 2010 uh, at a time when the, i know the three of us were in tort nearing you know the end of sort of college years and a very similar time frame to where Andy is in the film as he's about to go off to college. And I know I spoke about this on the top five movies that make us cry episode with Rory, but this film, the ending of this film is just, I mean, I, I don't know many other films that get me the way the end of this movie does. And it just between the scene, of course, that actually deals with like the, the toys almost, potentially perishing uh in the in the fucking uh you know incinerator. The, the incinerator to of course the 
the scene where Andy decides to give up his his toys to Bonnie and pass it on and and move on. And they're, you know, both he has to move on from the toys and they have to move on from him. Probably one of the most heartbreaking, but true to life and just unbelievable scenes. I, I think maybe the best scene in Pixar history and the movie itself is just incredible. It's just, you know, you obviously over the first two Toy Stories had such great adventures with this gang. But in this one, the whole daycare angle, dealing with Lotso, getting Ken and Barbie, like also dealing with a villain who doesn't redeem himself. It's like, you know, someone who ends up just being a bad person at the end. It's like they hit so many notes that they haven't yet. And I just think it's a brilliant, brilliant film. And the fact that it's the third entry of a series and that it's this good just blows my fucking mind off. And Finn, I'm going to let you take it from here. Well, you know, when you when you said that you were going to cheat a little bit and use the Toy Story franchise, I knew exactly where you were going. And it bummed me out because I wanted to come in with a, literally everything. You, <laughs> everything you just said is what I was going to was going to touch on. Um, one thing I wanted to say is I think that this is uh, this film. The reason it resonates so strongly for us is I think it actually was specifically made for our generation. And by our generation, I mean, like the three to five years that sur- surrounds our age group. And the reason being is we grew up like literally Andy was around our age in the first Toy Story, maybe a little older. Um, and we essentially grew up at the same time period as him. So when he's off to college, we had either just just gone off or like we're just about to end. So we felt like we were a part of the story. And that's why it was so poignant for us to like watch those toys, you know, potentially be, be burned to smithereens. And like the idea of that happening was heartbreaking because like those were our toys. Like we had Buzz Lightyear's and Woody's and Rex's and Mr. Potato Heads. Like those were our toys. And we were experiencing this. And like the idea of, you know, at the end, like you said, the scene with Bonnie is just so on the nose for us because it was at the time in our lives when we had to start making the, the decision, you know what, it's time for the next generation. I'm going to pass my toys on to the, you know, to the younger sibling and like grow up. Essentially, it's all about growing up and that coming of age storyline that is just so well done by Pixar. And they just this was a masterstroke on, on, on their end. And they knew they knew who their audience was and they pulled at those heartstrings. And it was so uh, it, it really, you know, I, I can't watch it without crying uh, on, at both of those scenes that you had mentioned. Um, and mm-hmm. then on, on a lighter note, it also introduced one of my most like ridiculously favorite characters in Pixar, and that's Mr. Pricklepants. I don't know if you remember Mr. Pricklepants, <laughs> the hedgehog. Yes, of course. And, and when he, the scene when he's just like, and I am a Shakespearean actor, like I, uh, oh my god, the idea of that, like I'm, I want to just cry with laughter right now. I had a little um, like Beanie Baby like plush toy of him because I thought he was so funny, so such a random character, but. Uh, yeah, man, Toy Story 3 is, uh, it's, it's, it was made for us. And of course, we're going to love that. I mean, you truly could not have said it more eloquently there. It, it, you said everything right. You said everything right. And I think one thing to note with Toy Story 3, just to show, I think, how much it resonated, especially with us, but even with the world. I mean, Am I wrong? I could be. I think it is the only Pixar film to be nominated flat out for Best Picture and not just Best Animated, which I know it won that, but it was nominated for Best Picture. And personally, I thought it should have won. It didn't. But 
I think that just goes to show how much yeah. everyone loved it. It was. And I'll never forget, I was at the, I think it was the Lincoln Square IMAX in New York, seeing this movie 9.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. And there was, you know, that's a massive theater, probably 600 fucking people. There was not a dry eye in the house. Oh, no. For the end, everyone was sobbing. All adults, and it's just all adults like weeping all at, adults at cartoon toys. I went to see it with a bunch of uh, a bunch of my friends here, where we were all around the same age. So I remember all mm-hmm. going to this theater and a bunch of grown men and women just weeping. And another thing that stuck out for me is I remember going to the concession line before uh, before the film, and there were these girls that probably were around our age, so like you know, nineteen, twenty years old, and they were all dressed up in like cowgirl outfits, like Jesse and Woody. And like they had signs on their back, like Woody, take me to college. And I just remember, like, I need to hang out with these girls. <laughs> Where, wherever they're going, I'm I'm going oh. to. Um, I'm like, you clearly made a mistake not getting their numbers. Oh no, for sure, that was that was a that was a a definite mistake on my part. But uh, I'll never forget that. So whenever I think of Toy Story three, those girls at the concession stand will will always be a part of that memory. So. Hey, if you if you girls are somehow listening, yeah, give me a call. Get in touch with get in touch with us. We'll get you in touch with Finn. I guess it's time to see what Mike thinks about Toy Story Three. I I think as like a bonus content, the three of us need to sit down and watch Toy Story Three together, so that we can go through it. Because without doubt, Toy Story Three is the most overrated Pixar film of anyone by far. Oh. My I, I, God! I'll say right now, I think this is a straight up bad film. Like I, I could, I, oh. I really disliked it. Wow! Wow! I just thought wow. it was so, it was so lazy. It just recycled storylines from oh. two and some of one, and I was just, I did not get into it at all. I didn't think it was nearly as funny uh, or creative. And I just, yeah, I, I, I kind of texted down this earlier. I just, I, I really did not care for this one. I'm going to be honest. So, just to confirm, you're not a Mr. Pricklepants guy. <laughs> I don't like Mr. Pricklepants. He might have been the, the 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 saving grace of the film. Also, like Buzz with the with the factory settings and then the I Spanish know, settings, we, fucking hysterical. We already had like a a Buzz storyline that was like very similar, you know. Oh, I don't know. Buzz. I, we already had that. We had the idea that he's growing up and he's going to have to move on from his toys. We have. Every movie, they're like trapped in some sort of like sadistic, uh, like toy thing. Like it just, it just never really got me. But you didn't love hating a Care Bear. Like Care Bears suck, and like, not you know. But they just replaced lots, lots the, the 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 what is what is his name Stinky Beat from two and just made him into a Care Bear and he's the same guy. I just feel like two was more to me looking at the idea of. Immortality, mortality. Two to me was more about mortality and looking at, you know, do you want to be on this earth and have the capacity to love and and experience your life, or would you prefer to be immortal but have less of a life? If that makes sense. I mean, I'm not maybe saying it as eloquently as I could, but. I felt like that was what two was tackling, whereas three was literally tackling the idea of growing up and moving on. I, I agree. Which, yeah, 
they touch on that in two, but that's not the main theme of the film by any means, I don't think. I think with what two does is it shows how important you, and I think this is told through Jesse's storyline, is that like how important mm-hmm. you can be to somebody else, like what you mean to somebody. And I think that, yep. you know, with three, it definitely touches on the idea of like, all right, even though you mean so much to me, I know it's time to move on and let you touch someone else's life. So I feel like those, you know, motifs are, uh, you know, unique. I, I think you guys are both crazy, personally. <laughs> I did a rewatch yesterday, and I was we might just be. as... We might. I will say that, that clearly more than 99% of the Earth agrees with you. So it's probably... Well, well, here's the thing. I'm really curious to hear what your number one is, Mike, because I think we're going to... There's a there's one that we all omitted, and it's, I feel like we're going to get yelled at for it. So I think we, I'm going to touch I on do that too. after, after well, we're my, I, I actually sort of gave mine away already. Oh, yeah, you did. You did. Oh, so we did omit it. Yeah. Uh, but wait, right before we get into that, I just want to fin- cap off the Toy Story talk with saying, I mean, three, number one. But I, I want to give a special shout to Toy Story 4 because I think it's a film that nobody thought needed to be made and it didn't. But I think everyone was worried that oh, you finished the, the thing perfectly and they somehow made a movie. It's almost like an epilogue. It's, an epilogue. it's, it's Woody 4. It's not Toy Story 4. Right. And it's it's almost the epilogue you never knew you needed. And the ending of it chokes me up, honestly, as much as the ending of three at this point in life, because it's also about again, it's all made very much for our age group, at least in timing of when it comes out in that, you know, four is all about Woody and pretty much him having him saying goodbye, not goodbye forever, but goodbye to his friends and, and going on his own personal journey. Turning the page. With turning the page. And it's, you know, we're all going through, in general, that that like time span right now in our lives, whether it's us personally seeing friends do it. And so, again, very resonant and just, uh, man, when – when he says bye to everyone at the end and then you get that last to infinity and beyond, I just, I lose it. I lose it. It's just, it it does. And you know, uh, I believe Randy Newman did did the score for that one as well. Right. I believe he did, but Randy Newman is royalty. So any, anything he does have to shout out. And I think, you know, before we move on from the toy story franchise, I also want to touch on uh, Joan Cusack's voice acting performance as Jesse is a masterclass in cartoon voice acting. She is unbelievable. I mean, of course, she has one of the most recognizable voices in in, in film, but uh, I, I just think she's spectacular. And uh, yeah, I fully agree. You know, it's been a few weeks since we shouted out Joan Cusack. She's a regular appearer on the podcast. <laughs> she is. We love her. She's so good. She's just in a lot of great films. I mean, she's just great. She is. Finn, I think the movie, before we get into Mike's number one, I think the movie you're referring to that none of us have is Wally. Yes. Am I right? That's correct. Yes. And look, Actually, I mean, no. I know. Two, two movies. I thought you were going to say, up. oh, yeah. And up. And up. Wally and up. So are an, let a me. A lot of people's top five. I'm going to tell you why both aren't in mine. Up is a very simple reason. The first 10 minutes of Up is some of the most spectacular Pixar that there Wait. is. The first 30 minutes of Up is approaching Lion King levels of amazing. Okay, I'll even give you the first 30, but very specifically the the montage of him and his wife, Ellie, right? Him and Ellie 
And I mean, it's it's sensational. Some of the best Pixar ever. And yes, the beginning of the film in general, the first 30 minutes is very enjoyable. Michael Giacchino's score is just, I mean, on another level. But when I look at the second half of the film and just the movie as a whole, it doesn't quite do it for me for an, it's not a full enough amazing movie to be in my top five. I, I get that. I think I, I, I landed in the same, same realm. It was, uh, it's probably, it's the first one on my honorable mentions. Um, okay. You know, uh, the animation was really great. Um, yes. You know, the character specifically, I think they took a, you know, a, a lot of times with Pixar and just like the animation, it's kind of a, not cyclical, but you know, you can tell what time period it is. It's in by the style. I feel like everything kind of, you know, repeats itself. Uh, the characters in in Up definitely had a, like a unique quality to them, and like the shorter, square, um, and yeah, I, I don't know. It just I, I agree, Mike. The first thirty minutes are are fantastic, uh, but then it it to me it falls off a cliff. Completely yeah. falls off a cliff. You know, this is one where it's like. Yeah, it's so great. And then, like, I I got lost in, like, all the additional stuff they threw at it. They're like, we got to have a talking dog. And now we have to have a whole pack of talking dogs. And we have to have, like, this whole big bird thing. And, like, I get that that's, like, a plot of the movie. But, like, it takes away a lot of time from, like, the budding relationship. And, like, the the kid, what's what's his name? Russell? He, like, he basically gets to talk about, like, his parents or, like, they're not paying attention to him, like, in passing like one sentence mm-hmm. or two and you don't get to explore any of that at all. Cause it like has to follow like all these wacky characters that they've introduced. And I really just wish that that was where it was developed. Cause it's, you know, the relationship that they form in the beginning. Um, and once you see like, you know, the house like floating away, you're like, Oh shit, this is going to be fucking awesome. And then and unfortunately it really isn't after that. Conquering grief though, man, that's, that's their bread and butter. Yeah. True. True. Oof, that's a tough up would probably be around number 10 for me in the grand scheme of Pixar rankings. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and then Wally will really quickly touch on Wally. I know a lot of people have Wally at the top of their number list. one. They, I've seen every list yes. I've researched Wally number one. They're- yes. And I don't get it. I don't, I get, yes, it's very impressive. The first 30 minutes, there's not much talking. I get it. The concept is very smart. It's well done. But it doesn't totally resonate with me. And I'm a sci-fi guy, a space guy. And I don't think I think it's, again, probably be around my number 10 early teens for me. I don't think it's this big. It's holy shit. It's one of those things, especially in film, where I think you need to be able to separate what's uh, what's entertaining and engaging and what's impressive. And I think while yes. Wally is probably the most impressive of, of Pixar's achievements, just the fact Agreed. that they took this little stupid robot and gave him a full personality and told this really like, you know, this existential, existential story. Um, and you know, the world building was great. It it just didn't have that little, I don't know what it is. Maybe it was because it felt so, uh, cold because they were, he's a robot and you know, you don't really feel that human, uh, attachment. There was a little bit of heart missing. Just, just a, a little, little bit. bit. And, and yeah. I, that's why it didn't crack the top five for me. I mean, it's definitely a top 10 Pixar film for me, but uh, it just doesn't have that little bit of extra that our, I feel like our lists really brought home. Except for mm-hmm. Monsters University. I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is interesting no. that we all kind of feel the same way. Like, I just never felt totally absorbed. And I just kind of had like a, I wanted a little bit more, you know? 
but it is it is impressive and wally as a character is obviously you know super adorable it just doesn't totally deliver do you know what's another way to kind of rank these films is what's rewatchable which one do you want to yes and And it's not wally wally is not something i need to see again it was it was like i I saw it in theaters i was like wow that was really really great um but i don't like when if i'm on disney plus and i'm like clicking around i'm not watching wally again Uh, no not gonna happen so i think that's another reason why it's not that is the best way you could have put it i felt the exact same saw it in theaters was like great like wow so impressive what they did don't need to watch it again like it's like like dunkirk Wow. <laughs> Don't even get Mike started on Christopher Nolan films. Um, which actually, that's like the one Christopher Nolan okay. film he fucking likes. I'll come back on to do that episode. Oh, my God. oh you should. Um, all right. But then, yes, let's get to Mike's number one, which is also my number three. Mike, you take it away, my friend. The number one movie, without a doubt. This is the correct answer. I don't care what you're saying. <laughs> it is 2003's Finding Nemo. And again, I will say that there's, you can't ever quite get back the first experience of seeing Finding Nemo because. I wish you could. (laughs) Oh, hilarious. You know, spoiler alert. Uh, You know, someone dies in the first four minutes of the film. And and I just, yeah, how old were we when this came out? Like 14? Pretty young. 13, 14. And I, you know, I was already well, or in my opinion, I was already like, fuck kids films. I don't need kids films. I don't remember who I saw this with, like probably with my mom or something. And I was just like shocked. I was like totally just shaken to my core that suddenly like one of these characters just died. And it was, I felt like it was, you know, maybe a generation before us, like their first time seeing like Bambi. And I was just like, holy shit, like this just... It's just, where is this going to go from here that can lift me up out of this weird funk that's just like an outrageously bold choice uh, to do in, in, in this film? And it, it couldn't possibly deliver anymore. You know, it's just, it's an, a, a, a wonderful adventure that, yes, it's, you know, unlike some of these other ones where you're like suddenly in a world of souls, uh, here you're in like a totally realistic world where you just, see different creatures and interact with them and they all have fun engaging personalities you know you have nemo's world in the in the tank and all of his crew over there and obviously you have marlin um you know racing across the ocean and all the people he comes to meet uh it's just it's just creates this real wonderment sort of for the ocean definitely one for kids and adults definitely gives you that sort of like life lessons learned uh along the way and I just, it's just such a complete uh, picture. I just, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, it's without doubt the best Pixar film. So Mike, I, what I, what I said earlier, before we let Finn talk about how he, what he doesn't like about it. When I said it would be surprising for me that this one's number three, it's because I was a hater when I was a kid. I, it came out, like you said, when we were around 13, 14, I was sort of just on the cusp where I was at that age where I was like, ah, you know, and I'm, I'm out on animated movies. Yeah. There was like a few for me, there was like a few year period until I got sort of back into them or at least, you know, I always loved like Lion King throughout, but like other animated, it took me a few years to get back into them and be like, oh, I, I really like these movies. But so Nemo comes out. I remember my brother loved it. He's a, you know, he's a few years younger than me. And I was like, oh, that movie sucks. That movie sucks. And I just didn't watch it again for a really long time. 
And honestly, like, I don't think I'd seen it fully through since 2003. And I watched it this week and I was blown the fuck away. And I was just like, you are an idiot. Like, I was like, Justin, you're an idiot. You were just being a stubborn kid that was like, didn't want to watch this animated movie at that age. And so you just said it was bad. And this it you said it perfectly, Mike. It has it all. It has it all. It is so full and so complete. The world is so colorful and interesting and really like takes you. And it it really has that like wonder, like that wonderment to it. And I just I, I truly such a beautiful father son story. And I mean, so many messages mixed into this film it just it really might be the the most complete pixar film i i would agree with that statement it might be the most complete pixar film it's not my number one favorite but it might be the most complete and it's it's fucking fantastic i mean it is it's a staple of pixar for a reason and i i was uh a little late to the party but i'm glad i got there glad i got there you you guys could not be more wrong. Uh, this movie is so overrated. Oh my uh, god! I mean, like I can't even begin to describe how much I can't. I don't enjoy this movie. Um, let me let me offer a disclaimer to anybody listening. I think where I'm coming from here is one. I am terrified of the deep ocean. <laughs> Sharks are like my greatest fear in the world, and then like the unknown and like not being able to see and down there. It's just I am horrified by that. So I think that colors my my uh, opinion on this a little bit. Definitely. I also think from a more, um, just as a Pixar lover, I think what goes hand in hand with, with what makes a good Pixar movie is world building and like creative animation with audio themes and, and musical themes. And I think Finding Nemo of the, the, like the series and franchises has the weakest of scores. You don't, I don't remember any music from Finding Nemo. I give you that. Like that I will give you. Zero. I remember none of it. And it's Thomas Newman, and he's great. But like, what? Uh, what? And and also, there's not a likable character in this movie. What? Marlin <laughs> is just this. Get out of here! Erotic dad that's just annoying me. Nemo is like a little bitch, and like, <laughs> and then Ellen DeGeneres, I can't stand. So it's just <laughs> these people. These fish <laughs> suck. What <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, sure. I'll, I'll grant you that. And yes. there's a couple of memorable moments with like, you know, this is going to be like our preview clip for the with, app with, with the crabs and like <laughs> the crabs and the fucking seagulls. Like those are some funny moments. But guys, I literally, I fucking hate Finding Nemo. <laughs> wow. It is not good. Finding Dory was actually decent. But still oh, not good. <laughs> I, no, hard Literally, in my, in my list of like Pixar films, like Finding the Finding Nemo franchise is probably in the twenties. Wow! Get out of here with that. That is savage. Mike is losing it. Oh my god. Um, so we have we have one person that says Monsters University is better than Monsters Inc. And another that says Finding Dory. <laughs> and that's only by like you know this much. And it's, 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 
Good Lord. I'm like, dear Lord. I'm like, this is just insane. Let's, before we talk about maybe an honorable mention or two, let's just recap our list. So mine going from five to one, I had at number five, Monsters University, number four, Soul, number three, Finding Nemo, number two, Cars, and number one, Toy Story 3, or if we're going to allow me to cheat, just the Toy Story franchise. Um, that would bring it to me. Uh, my number five is Soul. Number four is Toy Story. Number three, Coco. Number two, Ratatouille. And number one, Toy Story 3. Because I used two of my spots for Toy Story Films Town, you cannot cheat. You have to choose. Um, and we'll go on to Mike. Boom. Well, my number five is Toy Story, which is the best Toy Story. So done. <laughs> Uh, number four is Onward. Number three is Monsters Inc. Number two is Ratatouille. Number one is Finding Nemo. I love it. I love it. I love it. And absolutely insane. And you know what I want to say, boys, is one film also. So we we mentioned the omission of Wally and Up, but there's one more omission that I think a lot of people are going to be upset about, and that is The Incredibles, which. I- I'm going to go on record before you two go in because I think you're probably going to be higher on it than me. I do. I just don't jive with the Incredibles films. I've tried. They don't do it for me. I don't know why. In theory, I should love them. I don't. They're just derivative. Um, they're really like visually cool and and they're fun and there's some good characters. But like we've seen it before, you know, it's exactly. It, it's I've seen other companies. Superhero. It's just it's, you know, we've kind of we've kind of done this, been there, done that. And especially years later, where we've now seen like you know what Marvel has done over the last uh, you know thirteen years, and other you know other iterations of superheroes or people with abilities, I think uh, yeah, it just gets left left behind a little bit. And it's it, you know Brad Bird, who I, I mentioned before, like he did mm-hmm. an, a really amazing job. It just to me, it doesn't stand out when you've got all these other like beautifully unique uh, films to choose from. I think you hit the nail on the head. A hundred percent. I thought the one that maybe we that would have come up was uh, Inside Out. So that's my one honorable mention that I haven't said yet. So yeah, it's great. What were you going to say, Finn? I, I was going to say I have Inside Out and Cars listed in my still good category. I have my top five, my honorable mentions, my still goods, my overrateds, and my irrelevance. Um, <laughs> amazing, oh. amazing. Cars and Inside Out made my still goods. Um, I, you know, cars like we talked about is, is really just it's it's damn good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, Inside Out, I think that that got so much hype after it came out. I wonder if it was because it was on the heels of like nothing new for Pixar. I'd have to look at the timeline and like where it fell in the in this you know chronological order. But you know, and the idea of attaching personalities to feelings like that was really cool. It just. Uh, uh, there, I don't know. There's something about it. It's also, I feel like it's one of the longer ones. I correct me if I'm wrong. It's actually pretty short. No shit. Well, I, it feels long to me. It does looking, feel pretty there's long. Like, there's like 13 or so that are like an hour 40 or above. And it's one of the shorter ones. And also, if you want to like have your heart ripped out, bing bong. That's all I'll say. Oh my Lord. Oh, God. Good oh God, my Lord. <laughs> it's, it's a really similar to how we talked you know, we've obviously talked about certain Pixar's having such um, ambitious concepts. I'd say that Inside Out is one of the most interesting concepts that they put to film. I think it's 
definitely one of the most important films and and no doubt sparked like a bunch of really great conversations uh, especially mm-hmm. with with parents and their kids and again i think the beginning with the concept is is great but as you guys can probably imagine this is one that really really loses me like it it stretches the concept to such a <clears throat> such a, a crazy place that i genuinely have no idea what's going on <laughs> and they're yeah. like now we're it, at the french fries of disappointment or whatever and you're like i don't know where we are like this is bizarre so like and finn had a really good point because finn you were right in terms of the timeline the movies that had come before it was was monsters you brave and cars too so it's like it was their most it was two sequels and then brave which is fine but like fine. It's, there's it, a couple of yeah. beautiful moments in brave and then that's it yeah so it was like their first sort of you know it it had been quite a while. It'd been over five years since they're up and Wally and Ratatouille. So it was sort of a return to that kind of ambition. And so, yes, I think maybe it did get slightly overhyped because of that, but it, it is a really interesting movie and definitely, definitely one that's worth an honorable mention for me, at least. Um, do you guys have any other honorable mentions that haven't really been mentioned yet? This is more of an honorable mention because of like how for more for the time that it came out and what they're able to do. And that's A Bug's Life. I think yep. A Bug's Life doesn't get any love partially because it, it came out on the heels of Toy Story. Yeah. And, and Toy Story, you know, just was it, it's toys versus bugs. I think most kids are going to pick toys. The weird kids pick bugs, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and there's some really funny, funny moments in A Bug's Life. It is some of it's hysterical. I just um, also, uh, you know, for you guys, I saw on the Instagram today you were doing twin movies. And it's interesting that you didn't do A Bug's Life and Ants, which you probably should have. So um, I oh. think we purposely didn't because of this episode. Wow. Okay. And th- which I'm very happy you just brought it up because it was something I didn't want to forget to. And I almost did. So thank you for bringing it up. And if we're definitely asking- a big twin movie. The choice of that twin movies, it's Ants. Ants is the better movie. I don't know if I've ever seen it, to be honest. I honestly, my gut tells me Bugs Life, which I did rewatch this week, but I haven't seen Ants in so long. I guess I can't make the call. Um, I will say that rewatching Bugs Life, I definitely have fonder memories of it than I actually think it's good. Like... I really liked the characters when I was younger. I think I might have even had a couple action figures of them. But I don't think it's one of the better Pixar films. I do think it's really impressive what they were able to do in 1998. And and I don't think it's a bad film. I just don't. It's not a standout for me. It made pretty good money. It made $360 million for that film. It was actually kind of surprising for me, especially in the 90s. So um, I remembered that verse Ants, that Ants was sort of the quote-unquote bomb of the two, and Bugs Life did really well. Uh, that is correct. It made half, made $171 million for like let, you know half of the budget. Okay. The, the thing that's tough about Ants and a Bugs Life is they both have uh, you know persona non gratis in their main cast. We've got Kevin Spacey in a Bugs Life and uh, Woody Allen in Ants. Um, but but the rest of the Ants cast is pretty fucking solid. Yeah, who's the rest of the Ants cast? Sharon Stone, Dan Aykroyd, Danny Glover, Gene Hackman, St- Sly Stallone, Jennifer Lopez, Whoa. Christopher Walken. It's so it's so good. Our my buddy James, who, who you know, Justin. Uh, of course, we, we, we have this 
we have this joke that sometimes when we're drinking, we'll toast to the ants that died at Termite Hill, which is something <laughs> that happened in the movie wow. Ants. And it's just such a niche, deep cut. But I'll always remember that. And there's this scene where they literally march to the ants go marching one by one. And it's so good because it's like, of course, that's their fucking battle song. Uh, anyway, ants. Shout out. That ants. is amazing. You know, so, right. hey, on, on that Twin Films, apparently Ants might be the winner. I've got to, I've got to rewatch Ants. I think the only Pixar film we haven't talked about is The Good Dinosaur, which I don't think we need to talk about, if I'm being frank. Also, never seen it, so couldn't tell you. There you go. It's it's fine. It's fine. But it's just, again. It's fine. But... (laughs) (laughs) Mike Mike calls no punches. (sighs) Oh, my God. I'm like, Mike, did, did you have anything else you wanted to say about any Pixar films or just about Pixar films in general? Do you feel like you like... Pixar films now are, are you more open to watching a film that might be geared towards kids uh no definitely not but <laughs> we failed I would say I, I just yeah I'm, I'm just not totally getting it I gotta be honest like even the ones that I like I'm sure that my ratings would be well below well they're well below average and I'm sure they'd be well below the two of you okay okay the you know you some know. the more you know sometimes you just can't Sometimes you're wrong. Like (laughs) you said it. You said it. I've been wrong before, but it was good. It was there was just so many that I hadn't seen, and whether you think they're good or great or not so good, uh, they're they're obviously a super important uh, company, and it was cool to you know go through every one. I went through completely chronologically, so it was cool to kind of. That's incredible. There is a great uh, documentary about Pixar and how it started, and like the whole like. John Lester, Steve Jobs of it all. Um, I'm going to try and get the name real quick. Yeah, please uh, do. I, I just saw it recently. Uh, it's called Inside Pixar. It's on Disney+. Plus. So cool. Like, you know, as somebody who, whose handwriting and drawing abilities are absolutely embarrassing, uh, you know, seeing real artists, you know, concept and then execute these ideas, it's just so impressive. And I'm very jealous of them. It really makes me feel uh, like the least artistic person that has ever lived. <laughs> did, so. did we all get Disney Plus at least for this week so that we could watch the films? Absolutely. So, a- admittedly, I've I've had it, but uh, I'm definitely a sucker for all things the mouse. Uh, I I've been, you know, I, wor- I worship at the by the mouse. He is he is the, <laughs> our fearless leader. Um, but yeah. Good yeah, Dil- Finn is a big Disney guy. He's got he's had the annual passes to Disneyland. He's he's a he's a he's a mouse man. And and my my personal role model uh, is former Disney CEO and now chairman Robert Iger. I think he is just the coolest, most badass dude. And uh, yeah, any anything that he he's put his his golden touch on, sign me up. I'll see it. There he is. We couldn't have had someone better on for this episode. Wow. It's just, there was, this is God, the guy. What took so long? This was a blast. I could talk to you idiots about anything. Oh, I, let's get you back on. Absolutely. You know, if you guys don't, don't spend it soon, I'd, I'd love to hear Mike explain to me why Christopher Nolan sucks. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> well, I never said that Christopher Nolan sucks. That is not true. I did not say that. Yeah, in our episode that came out last week, he talks about how he thinks the illusionist is better than the prestige. <laughs> oh dear, I, I just. <laughs> I, I oh, 
And hey. you also teach me how to like get that beard going, man. Like I've been proud of mine and I see you and I'm just really like, wow, that's no There joke. is, there's no one that beards like Mike and you're, you've got a good one going right now, Finn. Yeah, it's, it's, I was going to say, good, I like the beard. It's been a, it's truly been a pleasure today, my friend. It truly has. I appreciate it guys. It hey, we, we already can't wait to have you back. Truth, truthfully, can't wait for it. And hey, to everyone listening, please. I mean, we say this every week, but we would love to hear what your favorite Pixar's are. So give us your top five. Shoot it to us on Instagram at top fives and deep dives. You can email us top fives and deep dives at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Top Dives, <laughs> TikTok at Top Fives and Deep Dives. What are you saying? What are you saying? Just, you know, tell me why I'm in the wrong industry and have no idea what I'm talking about. Get in the comment section. We want to hear it. Yes. Yes. We want to <laughs> hear it. We want to hear it. And hey, we'll see you guys next week. We love everyone. Top Fives and Deep Dives. Top Fives and Deep Dives. Bring it to us, Zach. Top fives and deep dives with Town of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town of PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantino. Ooh, the baby.